Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, Austin Reeves, Master Recruiter. That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for making Lockdown Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free. Never behind a paywall. Lockdown Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to uh, see the show, hang out, leave questions, leave comments, talking about uh, perhaps Thursday's show where we talked about Kobe Bryant on uh, Kobe Bryant Day, August 24th, 824. Uh, so plenty of, plenty of uh, things to talk about with that. Um, but we love your questions. We love your comments. We use them a lot for Thursday's show um, and you know, want to keep seeing them throughout the rest of the summer and into the season. So, um, Andy, the Steph versus Magic argument, which was something that I hadn't really thought about, became a thing this week. And we'll, we'll try to get into that. Who's better, Steph Curry or Magic Johnson? Um, so, uh, obviously, a, a debate that's interesting to Lakers fans. But uh, let's start here because, you know, certainly, Andy, we've talked a lot about Austin Reeves over the course of the offseason, including uh, episodes earlier this week with Mike Trudell um, breaking down Reeves's performance with uh, Team USA in the World Cup. Um, Jovan Buha has a great feature out on Reeves. Um, and at the I, Athletic. Yeah, at the Athletic. Thank you. Uh, nice deep dive. I forget not everybody remembers where all of these people work. Um, a nice deep dive into Reeves with a few things that both of us found interesting. So let's start with yours um, because this part of it could have a, a serious impact on who the post-LeBron stars are who play with the Lakers. Yeah, this was something that jumped out at me in Jovan's piece, uh, reading from a quote, Reeves has even played into the idea of being a lead recruiter for the Lakers, following a long line of T Team USA being the soil for seeding super teams, most famously in 2008 when LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh formed a bond that led, up to team, that led to teaming up in Miami in 2010. I can't speak on that, Reeves said laughing, but I like some of the guys we're playing with, so yeah. Um, and what I found interesting about that is Reeves is not at a superstar level and likely won't ever be. And I don't think it's disrespecting Austin Reeves to say that. It's just, you know, most people, no matter how great they are, don't end up superstars. And superstars are typically the type of players that we think about as recruiters during the Olympics or during All-Star Weekend, where a lot of people suspect Katie and Kyrie first started talking about teaming up for the Nets. But then when you think about it, it actually makes sense for Reeves and the Lakers because other than AD, he's got the longest contract of anybody on this team. He is considered a rock-solid part of the future. Like, he's not untouchable because, let's be real, but he is definitely not somebody being shopped or even in trade conversations or that they would want to trade. So that makes him a pretty stable Laker to attempt recruiting. And he's got clout in the organization. And the players that he also is with right now, Team USA, none of them really are superstars either, other than maybe Anthony Edwards feels like he's on that path. So Reeves is on their level 
to be recruiting. And, you know, it's not like in 2012, the Olympic team, when Anthony Davis, you know, just entered the NBA, like, right. Trying, it wouldn't be like him trying to get people to join him in new Orleans. No, but like, what, what are you talking about, kid? It's a class of player though, that in a couple of years when LeBron is maybe, you know, retiring or something like that, you might have some interest in figuring out how to, uh, to get over here. And look, I mean, I, we don't need to necessarily have the how good is Austin Reeves debate. Like, is he legit? Like, we've talked about a lot of these things, but he's legit. Yeah, he, <laughs> we've landed it, on he's. It's legit. an interesting, but it's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting way of framing the type of impact he has on teams because you're right. He's not a superstar, but he, you know, he's going to be around. I think for a while. Like, he's obviously the Lakers. I cannot think of the short list of players the Lakers would trade Austin Reeves for, particularly while he's making, you know, 12 to $15 million a, a season over the next three years um, is very small. Yeah. So he's not going anywhere. You're right. And then the Lakers will have the inside track to keep him around after it certainly seems like you're right. Andy, you can pencil him in for a long career here. Um, but it, it, it's also indicative of the, the the he's a good recruiter because he's a good guy to play with. Mm-hmm. Like it is, you know, Mikhail Bridges and all these other guys and Halliburton and they, you know, name every player going down that roster can all look at this and be like, you know what? Like, yeah, sure, I'm going to go join an Anthony Davis in two or three years. I'm going to go join an Anthony Davis-led Lakers team. You know, Davis is on the decline. I'm going to be that next rising star to come in here. And one of the guys that's going to make this job easier for me is going to make me better, make it easier for me to perform and go win titles. And it's going to happen without drama. It's not going to, it's not going to be, you know, Kyrie and James Harden and all this other, you know, nonsense is Austin Reeves. And so, in some ways, he's like a perfect ambassador because he's really, really good. He's somewhere underneath superstar level. And he's not even somewhere. I mean, he needs to make an all-star team before. Right, he I'm saying he's somewhere, somewhere okay. underneath that superstar level. Is not like you know, is not threatening my space or whatever. But he's also really, really good, and I know. He will blend with what I do because he blends with everything. So, yeah, perfect recruiting tool. What stuck out to me, there are a couple things. And the, the, the first thing straight from the article, and then it, it got me thinking about something. Maybe we'll get to the next segment. Um, I liked, you know, Jovan asked him, you know, how does a kid from a, a town of just over 1,000 people who wasn't highly recruited in high school play for two colleges not selected in the 2021, how does he retain that under underdog, underdog edge that got him here? Reeves said, I don't think it shifts at all. I think there's still a good majority of people that probably don't think I'm that good or any good at all. There aren't that many of those people left. Look, I mean, we love you know making the joke, and we talked about it earlier with Trudell this week. Like, it's been fun to watch non-Lakers fans begrudgingly accept that Austin Reeves is not all hype. But, you know, people who follow the NBA watched the playoffs last year know Reeves is good. Um, certainly fans are good. And in a year, 
there are not going to be a lot of people who, in the words of Austin Reeves, don't think I'm good or any good at all. But that doesn't matter because Reeves is doing that thing that all elite players do, which is make bleep up to motivate themselves. You know, he this is the chip that he's going to carry around, and it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Um, this is this is the mentality. Well, at least, at little, least in Austin's case, there is a foundation that comes from plausible deniability. You know oh, what I mean? Because right. there, there was a period where people legitimately did doubt Austin Reeves, you know, for example, going undrafted, for example, right. getting no offers really other than like Wichita State. Well, like, no, the, the chip got there more credibly than a lot of these guys yeah. who were like five-star recruits from the time they were in sixth grade. I, I remember Kobe talking about, yeah, I mean, this is like number eight Kobe, not even number 24 Kobe, number eight Kobe talking about like, you know, he's not really one of those like super sick athletes in the NBA. It's like, get the oh, F out of here. <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, Shut up. <laughs> what planet are yeah, you? Not? I was ignored by like, you know, you see, I, I was ignored. Dude, you were like a top flight recruit to Kentucky. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you were the seven, you were the fourth pick in the NBA draft. Okay, you weren't one, but you were four. It's like, shut up. You know, you were not ignored and discounted. Um, I mean, even so like I, Steph, you know, we may talk about it later. Steph turned into a player that nobody saw coming. He was still a lottery pick. Right. <laughs> like he's, you know, he was ignored like going to Davidson. Right. But like by the time he was done at Davidson, people thought he was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, he was a lottery pick. <laughs> people think you're pretty good. But there's Somebody one, thought he was good. So I just I love the mentality. It is a reminder that aw shucks nature aside, Austin Reeves will cut you. He is mm -hmm. that competitive. Um so uh, but there's something else that's that stuck out with this that I do want to get into that's really not just about Reeves, but about the rest of the roster. We'll talk about it next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and football season is about to kick off. FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. So just pick any team to win in the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl, and you get bonus bets for every victory. And you can use those bonus bets on Spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. Uh, Chiefs, last I looked, getting 6-1 to one odds from our friends at FanDuel to repeat as champs again. Chargers, 21-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. They, they could actually rack you up a few wins for some bonus bets. Raiders, 75-1, to one, not the team I would pick to get bonus bets, but I'm not going to tell you how to do your fanning. But either way, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. So um, I think there are, you know, if LeBron and Anthony Davis stay healthy, Andy, pretty relatively narrow band of expected performance. It's like we both kind of, everybody kind of knows what those guys are. It's just a question of, are you going to be healthy or not? And you're either going to be like mega Uber elite or just like regular elite. I think that's pretty much when you start to move down the roster, I think what, what separates, you know, potentially creates the Lakers season and allows them to maybe separate from other teams in the conference run with Denver, stuff like that. Are those guys where the, that band, that 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 you know, the range of possible outcomes is bigger, and I'm interested not just in Reeves, but we'll start there. 
at this point, how wide do you think that range is for somebody like Reeves? Because I think, for example, like D'Angelo Russell, I think we can kind of, ex- you know, with pretty good accuracy, guess what D'Lo is going to do this year. I think generally, I mean, I could be wrong, but for me at least, I have a feel like I have a pretty good feel for what he's going to deliver the Lakers um, offensively, defensively, statistically, or whatever. With Reeves, I think a lot of it has to do with exactly how big is his role going to be. Like how much responsibility is Reeves going to be given in terms of running the offense, in terms of his pecking order when it comes to scoring? You know what I mean? Like I'm convinced that Austin Reeves is a legit high-end NBA player. I'm convinced that he is going to have a large and positive role on this team. But just – just how much he's going to be doing on this team is obviously going to affect his production because he is a guy that we've seen can be very hands-on and productive that way. He's also, we've talked about before, he can be that connective blending guy. And sometimes connective blending guy doesn't do as much that is directly shown in the stat sheet. Sure. So, so but I mean, but with, with somebody like Reeves, at least if I think I'm answering the question that you're asking, you know, the top end versus the bottom end, it may not even be a level of performance or lack thereof. It's just what your what's your role going to be? Right. But but statistical, but like the but like that you mean like statistically, yes, maybe he averages fewer points or more points than you think. But I think you answered my question when you called him when you said, I am sure he is a you know a high-end. NBA player at this point. I think he can find ways to be useful if more of the scoring goes to say D'Lo and Rui and Gabe Vincent. Whatever, whatever his, whatever he is expected to do or asked to do, I am actually kind of like thinking like. Whereas last year we kind of went into the season with Reeves talking about, man, if he does, if he arrive so to speak if he takes a leap that's like trading for another player it's like they have a i actually think at this point there's less of that kind of variance for reeves i'm pretty sure he's going to perform at a high level like you say the role might change i i so like when you start to go down the roster who do you see as those guys where the possibility the range of possibilities is still pretty big is it Rui, is it Max Christie? You know, the the where like if Christie, for example, performs as like a you know sixth or seventh or eighth guy in a rotation on a good team, that's a pretty big leap for a guy in his second season who was doing that makes a massive difference for well, what this team's top end could be. I mean, it, I but don't it's not guaranteed. To... Like that's not something you can say, like, oh, I think I know that's gonna happen. I mean, look, I, we've had this discussion a bunch of times. I'm very bullish on what Rui will do this upcoming season. I I, I think I am more confident and more uh, convinced that what we saw in the tail end of the regular season in the playoffs is what can be unlocked with him moving forward. Uh-huh. But as far as, like, variance goes, the guy that jumps to mind for me, and I don't know if it's who even somebody you were thinking about, is actually Jackson Hayes. Because he's the one guy that I can think of that if the discrepancy is really wide in terms of what they need from him versus what he actually brings, Hayes jumps out at me as the guy that I can really see a massive gap 
And if it's on the low end of the gap, it's really problematic because for the time being, they don't have anybody else to turn to right. other it's, than play more AD or, right. hey, LeBron, Rui, remember that whole backup center thing you were doing? What do you think? We're going to keep doing it. You're right. It's interesting because, like, you know, Cam Reddish is, is in the same boat, but in theory, and, you know, I mentioned Christie a second ago. They're like, if Max Christie plays well and Torian Prince plays well and Rui plays well um, and LeBron is reasonably healthy and, and so, you know, Jared Vanderbilt is going to do Jared Vanderbilt things. And some of those guys aren't guys that I picture being truly prolific anyway. Like Max Christie could be an important part of the rotation, but you know, if he averaged 10 points a game, I'd be pretty surprised. Well, it's, it's right, but it's it's not so just, that's what I'm talking about with it's like not just, it's not just statistical I mean? production. It's just like like you say with Reeves, it's like thriving in the role that they're given and the and the the output, whatever it is, the the total contribution, whether that's tangibles, intangible, whatever. Like I said, like if Christie becomes that a guy who's like, wow, he can give you 18, to, you know, really pretty good NBA minutes every night. That's a game changer. Like yeah. that fundamentally changes, you know, the, the rotation as opposed to, okay, if we need to play max 15 minutes tonight, 20 minutes tonight, because it's not going to kill us. It's not going to hurt us, but you know, let's, let's, let's not put that on him yet. You know, um, I don't think there's a whole lot of range in like what Vanderbilt is going to give them. I think we right. know what that Same is. Same with Torian Prince. Like I think that's he, true. I mean, the shooting percentage kind of matters, but like broadly, he's just, I don't think there's a lot of surprise. As a three-point shooter. Yeah, and you know, D'Angelo, I think at a higher level, I don't think there's a ton of surprise left to come in Russell's game. No, but he's always been streaky anyway. Right. But like I think Hayes is a great pull there because unlike Reddish, Hayes could play like a lot. That, that's the thing. There, you know, unless unless you're not sold on Rui, for example, there aren't a lot of other guys that I feel like are really going to be high variance guys to begin with, mm -hmm. or or really even have the opportunity to be high variance guys because they're pretty defined role players or they're guys that I think have just shown who they are. Right. Like Hayes. Well, that's, really but that's what, that's what got me thinking was because in theory Reeves, you know, could have been one of those guys, except I actually think would have been more last he, season. Right. I think he's graduated out of that because the performances look, I mean, he comes into camp in the beginning of the season and tanks or something, I guess we were all wrong, but I actually think, <laughs> I actually think now he has graduated out of that 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 high range player where the ceiling and the floor are different. Whereas opposed to you know Christie Hayes is a great example, um, Rui to some degree, um, you know depending on on what you're looking for. Uh, and I just think that's an interesting evolution. I mean, even Gabe career. Vincent doesn't strike me as a particularly high swing player. I think Vincent strikes me as a bit of a high swing player, more in the sense of, um, more in the sense of question, like how how much it matters about his outside shooting. If you're factoring in the high end outside shooting, then I actually do think there's a high degree of variance in his game. Um, I think with Vincent, there is, I think, a bigger gap between what 
people who have really followed him closely in Miami for the last couple of years are expecting with the Lakers and perhaps what the average more casual fan might be expecting sure. based just on what they've seen like from the playoffs and whatever. Um, but there, I, I, I think he is a little bit of a guy that has that variance because the outside shooting, if it is like what it was in the playoffs, be, makes him a much different and I think more transformative player as a backup guard. And, and you know, you have more options and how you can play him and all that. So I, I see him as having a little bit more variance than maybe you do. Uh, but it just was interesting to me because Reeves um, kind of played his way out of that group, I think. Um, and that's a really good thing for the Lakers. Do want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Um, Magic or Steph, Andy? That's the new debate. We'll get into it next. I was not expecting who's better, Magic Johnson or Steph Curry, to be a thing that you know people were going to start debating, but it became a thing, Andy, that people have started debating thanks to Steph Curry. Yeah, he was um, on, I, be- I believe it was uh, Gilbert Arenas' podcast. I think so. Um, and, All stuff happens now on podcasts. Yeah, and he was asked um, if he was the best point guard ever, and Steph said yes. By definition means you're saying you are better than Magic Johnson. You've displaced him because I think for the last, I don't know, 40 years, Magic has been considered not just the consensus best point guard ever, but the who the hell else are you going to say but Magic? Like, of course it's Magic, right. Right, there's nobody even to debate. I don't know the answer to that question, and I'll be honest with you, I don't particularly care. Like it's a fun debate to talk because you talk about guys who are just wildly different in in you know in what they did in both size and you know the 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 way they played and what they were known for and their skill sets and stuff. You know, it's it's hard to think of two guys who you could say maybe that's the guy's better, maybe that guy's better, but uh, it's it's hard. It's not like Kobe and 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 Jordan. Who like you know the Venn diagram overlaps a lot with those guys. Um, that's not what makes this argument interesting to me. To me, it's more about like these are transformative players who sort of broke the mold and changed the way that people think of the position, think of the game, play the game. Like that's what's interesting about this debate to me. Well, okay. First of all, I totally agree with you. Like the, they are both transformative players in, in a way that even truly great players, like all-time great players, rarely are. Like these are guys who change the way the game gets played, the way the game gets seen, the way you know future players, you know, get evaluated for skill set, things like that. In a way that, like you know, Kobe is an all-time great and. He is a truly iconic player. But I don't think about Kobe changing the game in the same way. Like he he obviously had a lot of people who patterned themselves after him and you know a lot of people who wanted to be like him. And I will say this, Kobe transformed fandom in a way that maybe no athlete ever has. Like I've never seen fandom in the way that Kobe had fans. But I don't think of Kobe as somebody – who really changed the game itself in the same way, by the way, I don't think of MJ 
as somebody who changed the game in the same way that Magic or Steph did. The right. actual game, not, right. not the, the way we talk about it. Right. Oh, right. MJ changed the way the game is talked about. He changed the way the game is marketed. And obviously, like I just mentioned with Kobe, MJ had imitators. And I guess maybe if you want to talk about MJ bringing on like a, a wave of ISO scoring, I guess. But I, I, I think of Steph and Magic as changing it in even more radical ways. But where I disagree with you is the idea that they did it really wildly differently. I actually think there's a lot of similarities with that. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead tell me what you mean, because I, I think we may actually agree here a little bit, um, and I'll explain Just more, but tell me what you mean. Their, their overall effects on offense, like the way both changed, I was talking about the game and also the point guard position, the way they both became just walking mismatches, you know, both phenomenal passers. Like Magic is the better rebounder by virtue of his height, but Steph is a really, really good rebounder for somebody that is true point guard size. Like they both completely transformed the way entire defenses would be structured mm -hmm. because of the things that they do. Like both were good enough defensively. Like they were both renowned leaders with really unique uh like charisma, like they were both even celebrated for their smiles. You know what I mean? Like they're sure. both seems like these smiling assassins. Like it, it, in a lot of ways, even though I agree with you, there are certain stylistic differences and obviously physical differences. When I really started thinking about this, there was a lot about Stefan magic that actually felt pretty similar. I mean, I understand what you're saying. And obviously when you have two players who are one and two, or if you want to, you know, call it that in, in the, greatest of all time at that position there there is going to be overlap um what i'm getting at is like when you think of steph curry you think of devastating outside shooting um from a little guy mm -hmm. magic johnson was a terrible yeah of course and he was enormous um you know and and all that yeah like steph is a is a very underrated passer you know absolutely underrated finisher too yeah. he's great well, at the rim. I mean, that's the other thing too that i think people you know when you start to think about like is it ludicrous to call steph well no um he's probably overall despite the size probably a better defender than magic was at least both of them at their peak like neither of them hor wildly distinguished but steph Magic wasn't a great defender. No, he wasn't. Um, like I said, uh, good enough. He'll tell you the same thing. <laughs> um, and you know, know, it was Steph also, I think, because Magic was so much bigger than Steph, it's a little bit easier to get away correct. with not being as good when you are that right. big. Steph struggles. You know, it's the size thing is going to hurt Steph. You know, but you know, he also Steph's, work harder. Steph's handle is under like incredible in, because the shooting is so good. It's easy to forget the other stuff, uh, but again, I, I don't want. I mean, it's so like moral of the story. There, I I watched a lot more Steph than I did Magic. Like, if you want to tell me stuff, you think Steph's better. I don't, I'm not going to argue with her. I think it's a credible position to have. What I think is just continues to be fascinating, though, and you kind of hit on it. the The way these guys were transformative. Obviously, point guards didn't stop. Like, they didn't just changed the template for point guards as soon as Magic came in the league. But he is the beginning. He's part of that chipping away of stereotyping of positions and mm -hmm. stereotyping of skill sets and athletes and what they have. That doesn't just apply to 
you know, to just basketball. It's, it's, it's football now. It's, it's, if you've listened to the play callers with Jordan Rodriguez, the, the podcast she's doing with the athletic, it gets deep into this, how the, the NFL is changing to a skill set league and looking for guys who can do 10 different things and all that. And that's obviously where the NBA is going too. And the roots of that, you can go into Magic Johnson with that and seeing players who can do crazy stuff at 6'9". Um, I just that that to me is kind of and look if you see here, there's going to be a lot of people who say ultimately it's still magic, and I'm not going to argue against that either. I mean, you know, you you perhaps do get extra credit for saving the whole damn league. You know, that's that's a that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good thing on Magic's resume. Also, um, and this was a nice little bit of uh. Synergy and coincidence. I saw this photo circulating on social media today. Um, you got Magic Johnson. I believe this is in the Forum Club. Uh, starting clockwise from the top with Magic. Michael Michael Jackson, Margot Kidder, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Tatum O'Neal, and I believe Randy Jackson. That is, I'm not 100% sure that's Randy Jackson, but I, according to the thing I saw, it's Randy Jackson. Let me tell some of our younger viewers who weren't there. The 80s were wild. <laughs> the 80s were a wild time, man. There's a lot going on in that photo. <laughs> yes, there really is. The Forum Club, quite the place to be. Look at that Michelob bottle. <laughs> Look at the Michelob bottle in front of Dan Aykroyd. It, it's like... You know, I I just I could look at that all day. Uh, and look at I mean, my God, is it you look at magic there? That is somebody that is going to draw in people. Like that oh, is yeah. just charisma personified. And like there's a, re- there's a reason winning time is such a you know, people are having so much fun with that show. But yeah, we've said this before because we've been around him. Like the way people talk about magic's charisma. They're not overstating it. No, He's it one is, of the most no, charismatic what? people I've ever, ever. Is, is he good as a you know a, an executive, uh, a basketball executive, not a business executive? Um, no, <laughs> no, he was not. Um, you know, it, it, but like in terms, like you're talking about that that magnetism, <sighs> and you know, it. I just I think it is. We live in a world especially in sports where things are done the way they're done because they're done that way. And that manner of thinking has led to whether in sports or outside of sports, a lot of really stupid decisions and a stupid way of thinking about stuff. And one of the things that I think is, you know, as much people bag on the, the analytics and data and whatever, um, I am a I have a person who believe that the NBA has been overall vastly improved by analytics. Baseball sucked. You know, <laughs> analytics ruined baseball. I think it's really improved basketball. Um, but overall, I just think this the the biggest question that I think is is great about analytics, and it, again, you can go back to Magic Johnson, is it makes us ask why. Well, why are we doing it that way? Why can't Steph Curry take 800 three-pointers a game if he's going to do that? Why can't Magic Johnson be your point guard um, and jump center at 6'9", even though he, you know, he has Bob Cousy-like skills, you know, as a point guard? Like, you know, 
Why? Why are we doing it this way? And um, every time a player like Steph or Magic or Jokic or whatever these guys come along, it breaks those things down yeah. a little bit more. And I just and there's I, a direct I, line I, between yeah. Magic and Jokic. Direct Absolutely. Line. Absolutely. And the freedom of allowing those guys to be what they are. You know, Jokic being allowed to like learn and become that skill set and develop it, but also, um, you know, somebody saying, okay, that's fine. You can be a large human who shoots three pointers. It's okay. We, we, we're good with that. Um, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, hang out with over 20,000 subscribers to the channel, uh, rolling along, uh, getting towards September and Labor Day and all that stuff. And it won't be long, Andy, until training camp begins. We'll try to line up a bunch of guests over the next few weeks, get you ready for the season. Please leave us in the comments on the YouTube page, at Cam Brothers on Twitter. Uh, let us know who you want to have on the show, and we will chase them down and, and demand their presence. Uh, we'll see everyone next week.